You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. All right, I promise I'm going to preach today. It's going to happen, all right? Uh, missed you guys. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I, and actually, one more thing that I promised we're going to get to the message, uh, I got to make you aware of. So uh, we did this little uh, item drive, right? Back to school drive for our local uh, kids in the Cape District. And here's the cool thing, church. We're just celebrating. We got to give away more than 100 backpacks to kids in need. How cool is that? Is that pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. So I, I, I was on, I wasn't here. I was on vacation in Disneyland in Anaheim. Um, while all that was going on, I got a phone call from the owner of the building here, uh, on Wednesday morning. And he was like, Hey, there's a news truck out front, which is not what you want to hear when you're on vacation because, because you think like, okay, who died? Like, that's like, that's, that's what happened here. He's like, do you know anything about it? I said, I do not. But apparently, uh, w, was it RDE? Is that the local NBC? Uh, they found out about what you guys were doing, and they wanted to cover it, which is also really cool. So the word got out. We had, like, a line of people uh, waiting to get backpacks. We had, uh, I think, the last crew, they were tearing up because they were so thrilled they got to get backpacks for their, their kids. And then the leftovers, uh, we got to take over to uh, the Frederick Douglass uh, Center and give to uh, homeless kids in the area. So, like, great job, church. Like, way to go. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll keep doing that. Um, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open it up to Acts chapter 12 is where we're going to be for the beginning part of the message today. Acts 12. I will put it on the screen in, in just a minute. So yeah, I, I've been on vacation. Um, I got to watch Pastor Josh and I watched Matt and they both killed it. And I went to the happiest place on earth, which is also the happiest place in my life. I love me some Disney. I love it. Like, I, And my favorite of the Disney parks, if you're curious, is Disneyland in Anaheim. I just think it's great. Uh, I go there, I ride pirates, I eat a churro. It's fantastic. Um, and now and now I hadn't been since they opened Star Wars Land, so my mind was blown. I flew, you guys, I flew the Millennium Falcon, all right, seven times, okay, because because I could. And it was ama- like, there was something just strangely satisfying. If you're sitting on, and I know it's made up, okay, and it's a big video screen, there's something so satisfying. If you're on the, like, the ship, right, you just pull the lever, Right, and and you go into hyperspeed, like and like the like the light bends. And you're like, oh. it is so satisfying. I was, it was, I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I had a Matterhorn macaroon. It was great, Mickey shaped pretzel, just all of it, all of it. It was my happy place on the happiest place on earth. And it was the weirdest thing though, because while that was going on, you know, I I I get on social media to post vacation pictures, like to show my highlight reel. Um, like, cause you know, that's, that's how we do social media. We just post the best stuff. And, um, I don't post when I haven't shaved, you know, none of that. It's like, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm excited. I want to share my trip. And, and because my, my exposure to online was pretty, uh, limited while I was there, I would get on social and I started to see stuff about what was happening in the rest of the world. Um, and it was this weird uh, juxtaposition because here I am in the happiest place on earth. And I can't stop thinking about those who are in Afghanistan, maybe the least happy place on earth right now, or certainly one of them. And I begin to sort of churn with that. And and, and it's it's a weird thing um, because there's never a shortage of tragedy in the world, right? There's never a shortage of like, hey, things are wrong. And and sometimes I, I can take that. And I can, oh, gosh, Lord, that, Lord, that stinks. And I, and I, and I pray on it. And... Um, 
And then I just kind of feel peace with it. It's settled. I trust the Lord with it. But this I just could not get rid of. Like, no matter how much I tried to, okay, I'll just deal with that later. Like, I just think, like, the people in Afghanistan just kept coming to my mind. And I so I took it to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, no, I, like, do you want us to do something with this? I don't even know what we would do because, because I just can't get rid of this. And, and the Lord's so kind and he's so patient. He's like, yeah, I do. Okay, we're going to do something. But I want, listen, right now you just recharge. Like, you just focus, enjoy your vacation. Yeah, we're going to deal with something. And that, that, that burden is real. But for right now, just go ahead, man. Like, just recharge your batteries a little bit. So I got back and, and I began to read the stories about like what's happening there. Not, not just like news uh, in terms of like mainstream news, but just like I, I got this from the Christian Post. This is an article about like some of the things that the Taliban are doing right now to, to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Where th this came from a guy who's an underground pastor um, who's uh, like who, and we say underground, I mean, because, you know, like, like the church is under persecution. They're like crazy. So his, his real name isn't given. He's just known as Pastor X. Um, this is what he said here. Like he said, he said the Taliban has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting, or targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. embassy is defunct, and there's no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. He went on. He said all borders to neighboring countries are closed, and all flights to and from have been halted, with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum. They are fully relying on God, who is the only one who can and will protect them. And then he noted it. He said, the Taliban are going door to door, taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so that the Taliban can take them. And if they find a young girl and the house was not marked, they will execute the entire family. And statement added, if a married woman, 25 years old or older, has been found, the Taliban will promptly kill her husband and do whatever they want to her, and then sell her as a sex slave. And that's heartbreaking. And I keep having this question, like, rattling my mind, like, what if that was my family? Or yours? You know what I mean? It's one thing to, to go, like, okay, I know that suffering happens, and sometimes suffering doesn't happen here. But sometimes, like, you know, if it's, if it's a place I haven't been to, if, it's, if I'm separated by an ocean, it's easy for me to just sort of isolate to over there. People I don't know, people I'm not invested in. But I kept thinking, like, what if that was us? What if that was somebody that we knew? What if that was um, somebody that we cared about? And so I came back, and, and, and I, I just this, this intense burn for them. And then I talked to Pastor Josh about it. And he was like, man, he's, I, I, it's the crazy thing. I can't get rid of it either. And he was telling me about, like, when he was prepping that, that message that he did last week, he, even in that time, you know, he's asking the Lord to speak to our congregation about uh, everything that happened with Moses and how great that was. He said he felt like he had a, had a word from the Lord that, that the church in Afghanistan right now is like that burning bush where they're under fire, but they won't burn up. I talked to Pastor Bob about it, and, and he was like, man, me and Kathy, we just can't stop crying for these people and, and praying for them like crazy. And so, and so today, I, I want us to understand that we're going to do something. And I want to understand that by asking a question that, that we need to ask. And it's a question that, that maybe we ask, we never quite asked it this way, but let's just Get on the same page with the why. And so here's the question I want us to dig into the scriptures by asking. Simply this, what do Christians do when faced with horrible circumstances beyond our control? Ever ask that one? 
When we do, when, when we're faced with horrible circumstances beyond our control, sometimes there's things that we can change. Sometimes there are things that we can't. What, what do we do? Because here's the crazy part, all right? As we open the book of Acts particularly and the church of Jesus is birthed, it's a church that is under fire. So it's not like there's a shortage of precedent for how do we respond, particularly those of us who've been blessed with freedom, who've been blessed with resources, who've been blessed with means. What do we do for our brothers and sisters who are going through it? And yes, I know the answer is, well, we keep our integrity. Uh-huh, for sure. But what can we do for them? And spoiler, I'm gonna give you two things that we're gonna, we're, we as a church are going to do today. And they're really, really simple. And this is what I think the precedent is going to show as we dig into the Bible. Number one, we're going to pray. Number two, we're going to give. Those two right there. Pray. What can we do? We pray and we give. And so we're going to do both of those today. And listen, if you know anything about our church, you know that, that giving we never ask under compulsion, right? We don't take an offering. The box is out there. Give or don't. We trust the Lord with our finances. For sure, he's always been faithful in it. Today, I'm going to ask you to give. And the reason I'm going to ask you to give is because today we're going to give away 100% of the offering, all of it. And we're going to give it to Afghani Relief, to two organizations that, that I'll, I'll spell out in just a little bit, all right? But between now and then, I want you to begin to pray and ask the Lord to lead you in your giving. And if you're like, well, I already gave this week online. I know it's all funky like that. Guess what? Everything that's come in for this week's offering is going right out to it. And if you give by the end of the day today, so if you want to leave and, and, and talk with your spouse, pray over it, uh, as long as it comes in before, to, like before tomorrow, that offering is going right 100%. Everything that we, we bring in is going right out to them, okay? So here's the story that we're going to read today. Um, here's what's been going on. So, you know, the, like the Holy Spirit has birthed the church of Jesus, starts in Jerusalem, goes throughout Judea, you know, and... and it's not long after the first Christian martyr has been killed. His name was Stephen. And what happens is there, there's this king, his name is Herod, and he realizes that people seem to like it when he punishes Christians. It puts him in favor with his subjects. And so he begins to inflict damage on the church. He kills James, the brother of John, with a sword, and he throws the apostle Peter into prison, which, of course, freaks the church out because Peter is one of their main spokesmen. He, he was in Jesus' inner three. Uh, James was another guy who was in Jesus' inner three disciples. There's Peter, James, and John. They were like Jesus' tightest knit guys. James has been killed. Everybody's freaking out. What are we going to do? And this is how the church responds to that in Acts 12, starting in verse 5, when they are powerless to do anything. Acts 12, starting in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly or unceasingly praying to God for him. Verse six, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. In other words, Peter ain't going nowhere. Verse seven, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. <laughs> he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Now, that's a fun way to wake up in the middle of the night, isn't it? Get up, dude. We got to go. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Grab your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea 
that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Just check that. Peter's level of expectation is so low. Oh man, like I'm so spiritual in the dark place. He doesn't actually expect God to help him. I'm sure none of us have ever been there. We're like, we can pray stuff. We don't expect God to do anything. No, just me. Okay, good to know. All right. Everyone's looking like, look at my watch. Look down, don't, don't make eye contact. All right. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Verse 11. Then Peter came to himself. Because Peter, sometimes we think like Peter after Jesus ascended to heaven, like Peter got it all together. Notice how bumbling Peter still is, right? So Peter came to himself and said, all right, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered praying. So Peter basically, angel sets him free from prison, and he's like, what do I do now? I guess I know a person down in this street. I'll just go over here and see if Mary said, like that's, that's what Peter is doing, all right? But here's what we're gonna see. Peter isn't the only one who doesn't get it, all right? So remember, he's going to the house where people are praying for him right now, that God would deliver him. Peter is unexpectedly delivered. And so now he goes to the people who are just praying for him. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. So, boom, 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 hold on, goes like, and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. And listen to their response. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. <laughs> Am I the one who finds that hilarious? <laughs> basically, they've been praying and praying and praying for Peter to be freed from prison. He's freed from prison. He shows up at the house, and they're like, you are crazy if you think he's here. <laughs> and that's the, the crazy thing, right? That basically, um, they're praying for God to do the impossible, but they don't actually expect him to. I think as we look at the situation with Afghanistan, it would be very easy for us to go, yeah, prayer is a nice sentiment. It's, you know, it's, it's well-wishing. But what if we fervently believe that God could actually reach the dead hearts of the Taliban with the gospel? What if like we actually believed and prayed for a movement of the Holy Spirit in a very dark place with the expectation that God himself <gasps> actually hears us? And what if, what if we prayed so unceasingly that even when everybody else forgets, we believe that he hasn't. Because here's the crazy thing that we're seeing in this story. Because sometimes we read the Bible and we think that there's somehow otherworldly people that God is speaking to, using, and ministering to, right? We think that, okay, because it's back in Bible times, that people had this sort of different faith where they, they understood at all times. And they, and they had sort of unquestioning, but we're seeing it right here that like, they seem to be a lot like us where they're praying, God does something. They're like, oh shoot, he did that? Maybe that's not different at all. And I would just challenge you to think the following about the situation that we are about to pray for. It's just simply this, that God still does the impossible. He still does, he still does. And it never rested on you and me being superstar Christians. That we got it all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was talking with, of all people, my accountant a few months ago. 
And he was telling me about some missionaries that he knew who were in a, a place I won't say the name of that is very, very dark and, and uh, under Islamic uh, rule and, and oppression. And these two missionaries, they were trying to get from one town to another. And uh, they were riding this old rickety motorcycle. And there's one town they just don't want to stop at because it's particularly harsh and hostile towards Christians. And wouldn't you know it, their motorcycle breaks down right in front of that town. So like, well, shoot, we can't stay out here. So they said, all right, we're going to go. So they go into the town. And when they get there, they find that a lot of people from town have, have converged together in one space because one of the more influential men in the town, his wife had just died. And so they're having a funeral for her. And so the missionaries are like, oh, okay. And, and they begin to strike up a conversation with folks. And somehow it comes out that they're Christians. And the people actually, and you talk about like God just saying stuff, people actually, actually ask them, would you pray for our friend's dead wife? that your God would raise her. Now, no pressure there. So, our, so they go in, and they ask the Lord to raise this woman from the dead. And he does. Instantly, everybody's kind of like, oh, I want to hear whatever it is that you got to tell me about this God, okay? But when I say, like, not superstar Christians— Here's how the missionaries respond. It's not a, wow, Lord, thank you. You've delivered us. You've taken care. You've brought the gospel forward. Instead, they're terrified to stay there the night. And the reason they're terrified to stay there is they go, okay, well, God raised her, but what happens if she dies during the night? These people will kill us. What is that? I mean, like, when you think, like, if God raised her, he's going to keep her alive? Like, what is it? Well, what that is is imperfect humanity. But one of the things that we have to understand, like God's doing of the impossible never, never rested on you and me. It rested on his grace, his kindness. You remember what, what, um, what Peter said, or Peter and John say to the, the, the onlookers in Acts, I think it's uh, four when they, when they raise, uh, or maybe it's three, where they raise the, 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 the lame man so he's able to walk and people are like, whoa. And, and they go, why are you looking at us like it's our own righteousness or power that did this? No, no it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. He was always kind. He was always powerful. He was always sovereign. And the cool thing, church, is that he still does the impossible. So here uh, is Peter with these, these missionaries, not these missionaries with, with, with these other people who are praying for him. And look at what it says, okay? So they go, like, Rhoda, you're out of your mind. And then it, <laughs> she won't give up. So it says, when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, well, it must be his angel. What this means, I don't know, it's probably popular uh, mythology of the day. Sometimes people believe that, like, if a person had an angel, it looked like them. That's not really biblical theology, but people bought into stuff back uh, then, as some people buy into now. That's not necessarily in the Bible. So, again, God speaks to and uses imperfect people. Fun fact. All right, verse 16. But Peter kept on knocking. Knock. Like, they still weren't letting him in. Like, guys, please let me in the house, all right? And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Astonished. What? This is really good news for our prayers. Because what it means is if you're praying and there's just that little shred of heartbreak, God, what if he, what if you don't? He was never dependent on you getting that going. Your faith is in his ability, not your ability to pray. You understand? Your faith was in God's faithfulness, not in your faithfulness to bear the burden. 
because he still does the impossible. And, and, and I want to just be clear. I'm not talking about well wishes. We live in a culture that just sort of associates prayer with thinking nicely of somebody, right? So we'll say things like, prayers and warm wishes your way. No. No, church, I, I pray that we get this as a people. If you're taking notes, write this down. Um, prayer is not a secondary action. It's the conduit through which God chooses to act. Let me say that again. Prayer, it's not a secondary action. It, it, it's not this like, nice thing that you do. It is the thing that you're absolutely dependent upon in the movement of God. It's, it's why you find, hey, Jesus, don't you think that Jesus could do anything? Right, I mean, Jesus could say, hey, I'm gonna do this. And yet, why do you find Jesus early in the morning, consistently in the gospels, seeking God the Father in prayer? Because he's teaching us how to be servants. That's why it says that the son can do nothing, only what he sees the father doing. And yet, well, like, could God do anything without us? Absolutely he could. But in his love for us, he chooses to include us in what he does. You know, I've used this illustration before. Parents, think of the parents of little kids, or if you've had little kids at some point in your life, you're doing yard work, cutting grass. Get your son or daughter to come out, and they come out, and they're like, can I help you cut the grass? Now, you know that you're going to do it way better without them doing it, right? But you include them in it. Why? Because you love them, and you want to include them in what you do. It's about relationship. That's what prayer is. God doesn't need any of us, but he chooses to include us in what he does. And you find this actually on the mission field right now, that God typically likes to bring people into what he's doing. I'll give you an example. About uh, one in five conversions happening in Muslim nations right now. You should just know this is how widespread and how often it happens. About one in five involves something, a story like this. You've got a person who was raised in Islam who has never heard the gospel. They've heard of Jesus, but the Jesus presented in the Quran is very different. And you should just know this, okay? Like the Jesus presented in the Quran, they believe that he never died, okay? That like God rescued him from death on the cross last second. His blood does not atone for your sins. It's about you doing good. And if you do enough good, Allah will accept you. And fun fact for you, the Jesus in the Quran is not the son of God. He's just another prophet. And that's what these people have been raised hearing about him. Yet one in five who are converting to Christianity have this experience where they have a dream. And a man in white, sometimes glowing, sometimes not, comes to them and says, I'm Jesus. What you've heard is wrong. But here's the second part. Go talk to this person to find out the truth. And he always just links it to believers who are in that area. Never leaves them on their own. It's happening a lot. It's not a, there's no, there's no shortage of stories of that happening. Why? Because he chooses to include us in what he's doing. And you could go, well, like, what's the point of praying if God knows everything, if God does everything perfectly? Like, why should I pray if God has a will? Um, it's really, really simple, actually. You're taking notes, write this down. Um, because God has willed for our prayers to matter. That's why we pray. He has decided to move heaven and earth when we pray. So it's the first thing that we're going to do for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We're going to pray for them as a body this morning and throughout the week and coming weeks. But the second thing is we're going to give. We're going to give to them. This is also a New Testament principle, that if you see the need, you meet the need. 
One of my favorite books in the New Testament uh, is the book of James. James was the brother, earthly brother of Jesus. Uh, and James, the reason I like James so much is because James is just a sarcastic dude. He's like, I mean, if you read through James, he'll say stuff like, oh, you believe in God? Well, so do demons, so who cares? You know, like, like that's like, and he's all about like living out your faith. He's very, very blunt. And this is one of the things that he says, like in terms about the application of, of faith in James 2. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, which our brothers in Afghanistan, sisters in Afghanistan, many are. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So it would be one thing if we just said, hey, we're praying for you, and left it there. And it's weird because we live in an age um, where morality doesn't always function this way. That morality is sort of uh, internal. This is how we see faith, right? That basically, uh, it's why you can find statements where people say something like this, okay? Yeah, I did this, but deep down, I'm a really good person, right? Like, like, oh, even though my actions might testify to the contrary, deep down, I'm actually really, really good. You know, I don't know if you saw uh, years ago, there was the movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises with Batman, remember that, right? And Bane, remember that? Like, you barely adopted the dark, remember that, right? Like, nobody, okay, so anyway. And, and one of the characters in the movie is Catwoman, right? And, and over again, like Catwoman, she's stealing, she's betraying Batman. You remember what he says to her over and over again? I still think there's more to you than that. But what is it? That's the popular viewpoint. Like, like, even though my actions may not testify to it, deep down, I'm really, really good. And James would go, hey, fun fact for you. If you say you're loving but don't love, you're not loving. Like you say, hey, I care about you, but don't do anything to help the person, you don't really care about them. And so today, we are literally going to put our money where our mouth is. And we're going to give to two organizations. Okay, we're going to split it up. I'm going to say what they are. You can Google them later if you want. We're going to give to an organization called World Compassion. And we're going to get to Samaritan's Purse. I'm going to tell you about what, what each one is doing. Okay, so World Compassion um, was actually the, the first organization uh, that was brought my way. So um, I reached out to our contacts in ARC. You know, ARC is a thing our church is part of. It stands for Association of Related Churches. It's not a denomination. It's just a group of churches who believe the Bible and want to see people come to know Jesus. Um, they're one of the, I think they might be the biggest church planning organization, certainly in the country, maybe the world right now. Um, and I, so I, I reached out, hey, like, do you guys know anything about people who can help uh, with what's going on in Afghanistan. And they sent me this organization called World Compassion, which I had never heard of. And, and, and uh, my contact, his name is Matt Laborde. Um, the thing Matt said that I really, really liked, he said, these guys are basically like the Navy SEALs of missions. So what they do is they find the hardest to reach areas and they go in like crazy. He goes, he goes and, what, and so I asked, because here's always the question, okay, well, how much percentage-wise, I don't know uh, about them, how much percentage-wise, okay, like if, if we give to them, what percent are they keeping for their operating costs? Like, you know, like paying staff, paying for uh, offices and stuff. And what percent is going to the actual people on the ground? And he said, in the case of Afghanistan, it's near 100% is going to those on the ground. And the cool thing about World Compassion is they've actually identified 150 families right now who need help. Folks who need clothing, folks who have had to flee to the mountains, who need roofs over their head, um, because one of the things that happened was the Taliban actually cut bank accounts for a lot of people. They took jobs, and there's violence breaking out. 
the immediate need, listen to this, is to provide housing, food, water, and basic living items and transportation funds to help get folks out who want to get out. And here's the neat thing, okay? The way they've broken down, so there's 150 families, okay? Every $100 can take care of a family for a month. 100 bucks takes care of a whole family for an entire month. So that's the first one that we're going to give to. We're going to give to World Compassion. Second one is an organization that we give to every single week here, Samaritan's Purse. If you're curious, yeah. We, we, we tithe out every single Sunday. Like, from what you give, we tithe 10% out to different organizations. Uh, and one of them is Samaritan's Purse. I got an email from Samaritan's Purse this week telling me about what they were doing in Afghanistan. Here's some of the stuff that they've been doing. They've been, prov been providing planes for evacuation. In fact, they, they noted, they said, one of our partners made three trips that brought 700 people out in one day. It's from a letter from uh, Franklin Graham that they sent out to pretty much everybody who's given to Samaritan's Purse. We also have supported the evacuation of 80 missionary families via land routes. They also have a disaster alliance response team in the region to determine how and where they can best help those who have fled with only the clothes on their back. They also know that hygiene items are urgently needed. So money's going there. And last, listen to this. And this just breaks my heart. For traumatized kids, they're providing items that will bring comfort. Because I don't even know about how kids are wired psychologically. They, they attach emotions to objects. So you, you hand a, a scared child a teddy bear. That's way more good than you can imagine. So money's going there as well. So SGC, here's what I'm going to ask you today. Give. Give. Well, I, I don't know that we have it in the budget. Go home. Talk with your spouse if you need. Figure out, hey, maybe this week we don't buy an extra Starbucks or go out to eat for dinner. I don't know. It's between you and God. I'm not going to do a thing where, hey, like, I, I don't want to pull your heartstrings anymore. You've seen the need. All right? You can give in person. We've got the kiosk, or we've got the, the, the giving box in the lobby if you want to do check or cash. Or if you want to give online, you can go to solidground.church slash give. Or Another way, and here's I'll give you a little bit of instructions. You can always use the Church Center app. I just want to be clear how you can do that. What you do is you download the Church Center app in the App Store, both Droid and Apple. You select our church. You'll see, like, if you have the location services going on there, you'll see our church logo pop right up. And you click Give and follow the prompts. Or again, or again, so that's how you do the Church Center. Or visit solidground.church slash give, and, and you can do it that way. I just want to uh, ask you to give to these people today. All right? So look, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray for them and we'll dismiss. Father, we hate what's happening to our brothers and sisters. But Lord, we thank you that you have gifted us as a people to do something about it. Lord, what are we that, that you should entrust the resources to us and yet you've given us this opportunity to give? Like you have blessed us with the opportunity to care for the needy, the hurting, the forgotten. Those children for whom you love just as much as us. Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you do a work among us, um, birth generosity among us, so we can throw a ton of resources the way of our brothers and sisters who are hurting. 
Lord, I pray that you move heaven and earth in our hearts and our lives to make this happen. So we pray that in giving in. Lord, we pray for uh, a falling of the demonic kingdom behind the Taliban. We pray for the kingdom of God to come forward in Afghanistan <laughs> unexplicably, like in ways that would just surprise the world. Lord, we, we ask you, uh, preserve the church, preserve our brothers and sisters who are under fire for their faith, guard them, protect them. But Lord, we ask you to, to uh, bring down the principalities that are behind this evil on the planet right now. May, may Afghanistan become a Christian nation. May Afghanistan become a place where, where Muhammad is thoroughly rebuked and, 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 and ditched. Lord, we ask you for revival in Afghanistan. Lord, we ask you to stretch out your hand, perform signs and wonders in their midst so that there would be no question as to who is the true God, that it is not Allah, but it is the Lord. Lord, we ask you uh, that you would convict the hearts of those in power, that you would save them from their sin, that you would uh, bring down judgment and justice for the oppressed, that you would that you would make justice reign and roll, that your righteous uh, mercy and power flow forward in Jesus' name. May the kingdom of God come forward there. We pray it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.